Hello and welcome to the Convenience Mix podcast, brought to you by conveniencestore.co.uk, Lumina Intelligence and The Grocer. Every four weeks, our experts will be dissecting the key trends impacting the UK convenience retail sector, sharing exclusive insight and the latest news coverage straight to your ears. Whether you work on the shop floor or in a head office, this podcast will provide you with actionable insight and best-in-class examples from across a thriving convenience sector. As always, please don't forget to subscribe via Apple or Spotify as you wouldn't want to miss an episode. My name is Blonnie Whist and I am Insight Director at Lumina Intelligence. Over the coming weeks and months, we have some really exciting topics and trends to sink our teeth into but I couldn't possibly do this alone. I'm delighted to be joined by my fantastic co-host, Aidan Fortune, editor at conveniencestore.co.uk. Hi, Blonnie. And Ronan Hegarty, news editor at The Grocer. Hey there, Blonnie. So today we turn our attention to food to go. And within this episode, we discuss the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the food to go market as well as the possible impact of HFSS and city centre and suburban differences in food to go shopping. But before we do that, I wanted to get your opinions on some recent news that will have a huge impact on the convenience landscape. And that's that Sainsbury's has decided to close down its wholesale business. So chiefly, this means that Simply Fresh will no longer be supplied with any Sainsbury's own label products. So did anyone see this coming? And what do you think the ripple effects will be throughout the market? I certainly didn't see it coming. Um, it was it was a proper shocker, really. We've been looking at the budding relationship between Sainsbury's and Simply Fresh for several months now. And Simply Fresh being very excited about it. It's a properly new and unique offer in the convenience market. And independents were really getting excited about it. They brought Michael O'Loughlin on board to drive that. And it looked like it was something that was really, really making its mark in the industry. So it's 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 an absolute shocker. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I really do. I get the decision. It makes financial sense for Sainsbury's. Um, and Simply Fresh will be fine, of course. But from my point of view, I can't help but feel that efficiencies and profit have come at the expense of innovation. As Ronan says, retailers were really buying into this model and it was a good fit for both brands. Um, it's not the first time that Sainsbury's has flirted with the sector and then moved away. And will they get another chance to work with a symbol group again in the same way? The, the trust has gone. No, absolutely. And, and that's that, that's very much the point. It's um, This was uh, an offering that was, that was genuinely unique, genuinely exciting. And it just feels that this has been a decision made by Sainsbury's for their own reasons, you know, and they looked into um, what the growth opportunities were and whether they, they really needed it three, four years ago, partnering with independents and becoming real wholesalers was the big thing for, for the supermarkets. But now, because of the pandemic, they've had enormous growth in sales generally. So perhaps they're thinking from their point of view, wholesale and convenience retailers aren't really core to them anymore. But that says nothing for the guys that have literally were hours away from putting up new Sainsbury's fascia in the, over their store and really getting excited, having, you know, taking a risk. It's for an independent retailer to 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 say, right, I'm going to move from my normal wholesaler, move from my normal supplier, go with this new opportunity. It, you know, these decisions aren't made lightly. And to be told almost the day before, some in some cases, that it wasn't happening. 
in Harge Desi's case, um, then you know it, it, it's terrible for them, and those are the those are the real victims of it. Yeah, it won't make a lot of difference to Sainsbury's, and yes, Simply Fresh will no doubt um, they're fantastically entrepreneurial retailers, and they will find someone else to work with and come up with another exciting model. But you know, in in the short term, it, it's a massive blow for people. Yeah, and credit to Simply Fresh as well; they are looking after the likes of Hajj, um in terms of his refit. Um, and, but also on top of the wholesale customers that it's, I mean, it's, it's letting down, I guess. Um, what about those that work in the wholesale division? Um, I mean, I've been told it's up to 90 people who could be in a precarious position. I mean, hopefully we'll, Sainsbury's will do better by them than they have done their wholesale customers. Good point. And it, it sounds like we're very disappointed. Um, but I wonder what impact this will have for shoppers. I mean, we know how important own label is for certain convenience stores. And what impact that will have on sort of the, the future of buying more own label from, from different uh, facias throughout convenience. Yeah, I mean, there's still a, a bit of a mix out there, although there was a, a sense that it was got, it was co-op was doing all of the extra own label stuff in, in the market. And there was interesting to see Sainsbury's in there. But we do have Morrison's with its McCall's store. And there's stock talk this morning, in fact, that uh, uh, Morris, or McCall's is looking to really ramp up its Morrison's daily offer. And they're obviously using that with a mix of Morrison's branded products and and Safeway products and things like that. So that's there. Of course, Tesco, you know, working through Booker with some of its um, own label and, you know, even bringing the likes of Jackson to that. So it it is still a, a big thing for you know, for, for independence, getting that multiple supermarket quality on label. Um, but certainly, I think we're, we're not going to see Sainsbury's out there anytime soon. Yeah, it sounds like others are ready to step up and fill the gap. Um, but back to food to go. So as we've discussed already, the pandemic has obviously had a really huge impact on various shopping habits, purchasing, um, but in particular, the food to go market that's been drastically affected. Overall, we saw a 46% decline in 2020, uh, but on the bright side, with change comes innovation. So we saw hospitality closures mean that actually makeaway kits exploded in the market. And while home working forced, I guess, a repositioning of food to go into more food to go home, we've seen retailers have an opportunity to work more closely with food service brands and bring things like meal kits into convenience stores going forwards. So meal kits, I think, is a is a really great example of innovation in the sector. Um, but Aidan, have you heard of any other really innovative ideas within Food to Go over the last year? Um, well, I've been actually judging the Food to Go category for the convenience awards. So I've seen some really tremendous examples. Um, but when it comes to innovation on Food to Go, Premier Morley and Leeds, they're just a fantastic example of the changing face of this category. Um, their dessert cocktail bars, their random weekends, their soft drinks and slushy zones, they rival most cinemas. They've really recognized that Food2Go is not just a sandwich drinking crisps offer, that they can co- cover off any social occasion, not just a meal occasion. Uh, and the fact that they deliver it is just icing on the cake. Um, and then from more traditional side, we've also got um, Eurospar Mulkern. And they've, um, they've they, well, they really focus on the meal occasions, which, you know, a regularly updated menu, options for health conscious customers, everything any customer would need. I mean, they even have a carvery offer, which they sell 800 meals on a Sunday. It's, it's a more traditional meal offering, but it's, it's, they've gone big on it and it's making up 20% of their sales. Yeah, it's it's fantastic to see um, guys like that, and I guess there's a sense that they've uh, 
it, 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 while things have been quieter for some researchers in food to go, it, it, it was always going to come back and researchers had the chance now to, to really plan it and come back with a bang. It feels almost like every other refit that I read about is, is a different retailer that's focusing on increasing their food to go range. Um, so the other day I was reading about the, the emphasis that a go local retailer has placed on it. Um, so a huge refit, they've added, um, as you say, extensive hot food section, burgers, milkshakes, even crepes. Um, it's a huge, huge expansion. And it feels like lots of people are actually reconfiguring their stores to fit this model. Well, absolutely. The, you know, the, of course, you're right, the investment is a lot, but the potential is there. Um, you mean the, the fact that the market is going to recover and I think it's going to grow. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll discuss about how people working at home need food to go as well. Um, so retailers are really, they've realized the potential of this category and they've really gone for it. Yeah, it's great to see so many inspirational examples. Um, and another key area that we have to mention is the role of impulse purchasing, both in convenience and in food to go. So we actually found that 54% of people purchasing food to go did so on impulse. And from that, it's really soft drinks that are very, very dominant. Um, whereas maybe chilled foods are more popular in places like managed convenience. So we're finding that everyday products are much more likely to be bought on impulse in managed convenience compared to symbols and independence. And one of the ways that uh, people can, can make more of this is through colorful signage, attention grabbing, driving that impulse purchasing, which is so important for food to go. But the reason we're talking about this is because that's all a bit of a short term solution now for many retailers, as this is going to be impacted by the new HFSS restrictions. Um, so is there is this uh, an opportunity or is it a more of a challenge? to Retailers will have this extra headache in mind when they come to be planning, you know, how they take food to go on in the future. But as you say, the demand will be there. Customers maybe weren't so keen during the pandemic, but people are going back to the offices much more and people are just feeling the need to, to up, increase, improve their their lunchtime offerings, their tea time offerings and stuff like that. So it's it's a case of they'll have to work within the, the regulations, but there'll still be a big market there that's worth going for. Yeah, I think meal deals is a really good point. I definitely see there being an opportunity for HFSS categories to, to really push to be included in those snack and meal deals. Um, we actually found that a quarter of shoppers who purchase on promotion for Food to Go Mission actually buy a meal deal. Uh, and that means that they're going to be really, really important going forwards. Yeah, I'd really love to see the symbol groups up their game when it comes to meal deals uh, over the next year um, if the, uh, the legislation does come in October next year. Yeah, and it, it can be, sorry, it can be absolutely that, you know, meal deals can still be a big thing. I mean, promotions can be a big thing, but there will have to be a weighting on the, on healthier products. So it will be a case of, you know, being a bit more inventive about what the range is rather than just the classic kind of fizzy pop packet of crisps and a, a you know, full fat sandwich sort of thing. Things will have to be that bit more inventive. And, you know, the, we, we all know the retailers are out there and they're ready to go. Hmm. Another huge impact um, that we've seen from the pandemic on food to go is this change in location. And obviously we spoke a lot about city center versus suburban shoppers. And the biggest way we're seeing that is within food to go and how that role will change. Um, so obviously the severe reduction in city center footfall throughout the pandemic has in particularly impacted food to go specialist retailers. 
So we know that shoppers who are in city centre locations actually have the highest basket value in convenience. It's almost a third above average. And we're also seeing really high frequencies in those locations as well. And that really aligns with the dominance of the food to go missions in these stores. So as more consumers are working from home on a regular basis and shoppers are less likely to make frequent trips into the city centre, do you feel like stores will need to adapt to these consumer needs? Um, Rona, what do you think sort of new flexible working uh, will have on location? Yeah, I think I think there definitely will be a need to adapt. And you look at that idea of, you know, delivery and rapid delivery and that, that as an element of of you know, convenience, which includes food to go. Um, but I think more so, I, I think we will sort of see these these urban locations, these town centre locations, these commuter locations get busier again. I think it'll it'll happen quite quickly. I know that, you know, flexible working is definitely something that will continue, but the, there will still be people travelling into offices. I know there's more and more companies are coming out um, not so much pressurizing workers, but, you know, saying that they're now wanting their workers back in the office more. Um, and it will be a, a case that whether shop workers are in the office two, three days a week, or maybe, and, and that's sort of, um, you know, staggered throughout the, the workforce, there will still be a, a big footfall return um, to those locations. And I think it, 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 it will be really interesting to see how, you know, companies that the, the specialists that we mentioned before how they react and then how the convenience guys react i saw an interesting you know development that we saw clearly a bit of a marketing opportunity was pret bringing back their christmas sandwich um during the, the middle of the summer there and uh, the marketing was around saying oh we all missed christmas last year so we thought we'd bring it to you in the summer when in fact you know we didn't miss christmas last year prep missed christmas last year because people were working from home so uh, it the rest of us still had our, our christmas dinners at home sort of thing yeah so it's it'll be really interesting to see how more of the the marketing applies i think it needs to be a bit more sophisticated than that but um, it'll be interesting to see what they can do yeah, Pret don't usually fit a foot wrong, really. Um, so this one was an interesting concept. From a convenience point of view, like the stores in city centres versus suburban, I, I think they could both benefit. Um, you know, they, you, if some if somebody's not spending five days of their working week in one area, be at home or the office, um, they have a chance to. It's the same money, but it's just been spread around a little bit more. What the retailers they're going to need to do is make up for any potential dips with other categories um, some high street retailers have seen increase their meal for tonight offer so that when um, office workers are coming out for their lunch they can pick up their evening meal then or even stop off on the way out of the office um, so it's it's just a way of maybe um, bolstering that that drop in sales that they've experienced but i think the the suburban stores they'll see a dip um, compared to last year, but it'll, like a lot of categories, it'll come out at a higher level than 2019 and before then. Yeah, I agree. For me, the main message would be any sort of suburban stores that aren't um, expanding their food to go range or, or having a high quality food to go range really need to start thinking about that seriously because consumers will be looking for close lunch options when they're working from home. Um, I mean, even even today, you know, I was thinking, oh, I don't have any food in, I'll go buy a meal deal, which is something that actually it's taken me about a year of working from home to get to that level of fatigue of my own lunchtime options. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm beginning to, 
to have too many big potatoes during lunchtime and very much the same old sandwiches being made sort of thing. So it's, uh, yeah, I definitely am thinking, you know, how can I quickly get to my local store or something like that and get something really interesting and tasty quickly during lunch break. And and that's that's definitely something that's here to stay. So it's, you know, it's consumers working at home are still going to want food to go. And of course, more and more of them won't be working at home and return to the office. And so that more drives a much more important important need, immediate need when they're actually, you know, commuting to the office. I mean, I gave up on my home cooking a long time ago and buy a regular meal deal, but it's even with the best intentions like going in just to, just to buy the meal deal, I'll buy some extra products then. And that's just increased the basket spend. So I'm kind of the ideal convenience customer really is an interesting. Yeah, definitely. And it's this whole question also about what what about breakfast? What are what are convenience stores doing for breakfast? Because that's this huge day part that I reckon was relatively untapped from a market level. But actually, you could argue that convenience stores are probably more dominant than than maybe food service in that space. So what can convenience stores do around premium branded coffee, hot breakfast options, bakery, these kind of maybe breakfast meal deals. Yeah. And again, there can be a lot of healthy options there, you know, sort of overnight oats, that sort of thing, porridge as we move into sort of, you know, hate to say it, but as we are towards winter again and stuff like that, there's there's definitely options that people can be doing there. Mm. Definitely. And a chance to spend more. I think as people are um, commuting less, saving money on that, um, actually when they do splash out and do go out for for breakfast or do get um, go out for lunch then maybe they're more likely to premiumize when they're there yeah definitely there's price is obviously always going to be an important factor but it's for, for, for many as you say you've been saving it's not going to be the immediate factor when the difference between one or two pounds sort of thing so and um, there's definitely an opportunity you see that retailers can as long as it's something that's you know a consumer can see a retailer's put some effort into, um, made it made something interesting and different, then they they will be prepared to pay for it. Definitely. And and if convenience stores aren't willing to expand in this space, there are lots of food service operators that are ready to. So we've seen um Pret as we've rediscussed, but also Greg's. And um, they've both actually announced more suburban expansion plans. And that just means increased competition for convenience stores as they're providing a really strong food to go proposition. They've got lunch, they've got breakfast offers, they're targeting home workers. Um, so it's it's looking like competition will get even hotter if, if quality isn't there. Absolutely. Somebody like Greg's has always been the big comp- competitor. I mean, they're, they're such a successful business. They get it so right. And even during lockdowns and, and the impact that's had on them, they've still managed to, you know, grow sales. They've still managed to, to do fantastically well, despite, you know, you would think all of the trends going against them, but they still managed to do it. So as things return, to return to more normality and, and that suits the operators like Greg's, then people like that are still only going to go from strength to strength. So, And they're also doing quite a lot to push the boundaries of, of what we actually eat in food to go. So it is, you know, beyond just a sandwich. It's actually more innovative in sort of salads to go, this kind of thing. Um, and, and I think we're seeing that a bit with the sort of changing nature of, of meal deals as well. So um, a couple of big suppliers have mentioned that they're seeing demand from consumers to actually get two drinks with their meal deals. So maybe it's a fizzy drink and and a water for later. 
and they're not actually consuming it all at once they're actually spreading it throughout the day so it's kind of a, a changing demand for what is the food to go one area that i think retailers really need to be mindful of is the impending allergen labeling um natasha's law is coming into effect in october and I think it could catch a lot of retailers by surprise. I mean, I've seen some great work by symbol groups, equipment providers, food to go suppliers to raise awareness of this legislation. But I'm concerned that it might be slipping through the net for some. That's right. It's not far away. And, you know, we've already talked about how, you know, the HFSS regulations could, could impact the industry. And that's not going to be for at least, you know, another year now. Um, so this one is something that has to be really front and centre for retailers. So... How can retailers encourage suburban shoppers even more? So those that are likely to be working from home and and actually make these food-to-go lunchtime purchases. For me, it comes down to communication. They'll really be need to be on it when it comes to marketing their offer. Social media will be crucial. Um, it's, and also availability. It's tough right now with the driver shortages, but they need to make sure that the availability is there because people will go somewhere else if they can't find what they need. So I would suggest, you know, get on it with social media and your your marketing team um, and also work with local suppliers to ensure a full range every day. I think availability is absolutely crucial there. And like you say, there's nothing more disappointing than somebody who's on a mission to eat pretty much there that minute or now and going with a plan and then finding, you know, that their favorite sandwich or their favorite um, prepared meal of some kind isn't available because they'll have had their hearts set in it. And you can only disappoint customers so often and they'll, 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 they'll stop shopping with you and they'll go somewhere else. So yeah, it's a real challenge at the moment for availability, as you say, but it is something that just, you cannot overpromise and under deliver. You've got to be, you know, whatever you, you're doing, you've got to be able to deliver. That's potentially a benefit of, um, of hot food, anything that's prepared in store. And, and also, as you say, it in local supply, that actually it's, um, it's a bit more in your hands than, than maybe some of the prepackaged products. So to wrap up this episode, the food to go market has seen a decline of 46% in 2020, but it is set to recover by 2022. So in order to aid this recovery, we've discussed some areas of focus. So we've seen over half of people purchasing food to go on impulse. And to maximize this, we've discussed how retailers really need to grab attention. However, it's equally important to remember new regulations such as HFSS and Natasha's law that will place limitations um, and set requirements. And although individuals working from home might be less inclined to purchase meal deals than previously, especially when they worked in offices every day, it's still important to stand out, especially when they're on a top-up mission in store. So as always, thank you so much for listening and thank you to my co-hosts. Don't forget to subscribe via your chosen podcast streaming platform and we'll see you next month.